Today, that means we're going to wrap up our series that we've started in the beginning of the year. It's simply how to have the worst year ever. How are you doing at that? I hope that you are having a great year, uh, but we've talked through several things about how you can have the worst year ever. Maybe some of you have figured it out by now, but just in case you haven't, the first thing we said is if you want to have the worst year ever, then be a complainer. A complainer can always ruin a good thing. I tell my kids that sometimes. We also said that that if you want to have the worst year ever, then, then be selfish. Because the lie of this world is that everything is about you. But if you really want to find your purpose, you have to live beyond yourself. This is, this is why so many people have found, have found so much purpose in getting on a serve team at New Life Church because they, they are doing something for people that can do nothing in return for them. And it gives you life and it gives you hope. And we also said if you want to have the worst year ever, then be afraid. Live in fear. And if you want to have the worst year ever, then try to do it alone. Try to do it alone. Don't let anybody in. Just, just, just seclude yourself, and you too can have the worst year ever. And, and last week, what we said is, if you want to have the worst year ever, be stressed. Be stressed in your relationships. Be stressed financially. And the answer to stress is always to build margin in our life, the space between our current performance and our limitations. The closer that space gets, the more and more stressed we become. And some of you are under pressure and you're about to explode because you don't have margin in your life. You don't have margin in your finances and it's about to explode. So find margin and peace in the presence of God. But we're going to wrap it all up today in simply this. If you want to have the worst year ever, then don't change a thing. Don't change at all. Don't change a thing and you can have the worst year ever. Albert Einstein is credited with saying that the very common uh, quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You keep doing the same thing over hoping that it gets better but it doesn't. You get the same result. So if, if, you're, if you feel stuck in life, if you feel like there's more, I just don't know what to, just, just don't change anything, I promise you. You can have the worst year ever. Just don't, don't change a thing. Keep doing the same thing. Proverbs says it kind of bluntly like this in Proverbs 26, 11. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Folly is a word for foolishness. I mean, how many of us in our lives have returned to the mess that we made and, uh, and it's quite foolish? So if you want to have the worst year ever, man, just keep doing it. Just do what you've been doing. Don't change a thing. Keep returning to your foolishness. Keep making the same mistakes. Return to the messes you've made and, and maybe even try to complain about it and get stressed about it. And you can have the worst year ever. Here's what I know is I know that we are to change as we grow. Growing is inevitable. Those of you that are raising kids, 
Growing, it, it is certain. And for those of you that are not necessarily growing anymore, I guarantee you this, we're all growing older, okay? We not may grow in stature, we might be shrinking a little bit. My boys seem to think that I'm not as tall as I used to be. I'm quite offended by that. They have to remind me I don't have as much hair as I used to. I'm very offended by that. Cut the tape. I don't want that on there. I'm very kind of, I'm worried about losing all my hair. I told Jen, if I'm going to be bald, at least I'm going to be skinny. So I'm working on that, okay? <laughs> but we're all growing older. We're all growing in some way. But just because you're growing, which we all will, it doesn't mean that we're all changing. I've met 30-year-olds that are 30, but they've not changed. They're still quite immature. And, and, and that story repeats itself that, that there are still people dealing with things from their adolescence in their adulthood. Change, we, we are to change as we grow. Um, I, I mean, I look at my two 13-year-old boys, and just two years ago when we came here, uh, they've changed a lot. Even still to this day, I'll, I'll be walking through the house, and I'll be like, who are these grown men in my house? Like, where did you come from? It was just so rapid. It's, but, but I also expect them to grow and change in their level of responsibility, the change in their character. I don't want them to remain the same, although in my heart I still wish they were four. But when they act four, I let them know. You're acting four. And when I'm, and, and, and when I'm acting four, my wife lets me know. You're acting four. And she's usually right. We are to change. Change is a must, but change is a choice. Listen, you have to change. You cannot stay where you are. We are called to, to be so much more than that. We are never done growing. We're never done learning. Change is a must, but it is a choice. And those that resist it find themselves in this place of complacency. And so the, the first thing I want you to know today is that complacency kills. Complacency will rob you of your growth. Complacency will kill the change that God has for you in your life. Nothing can kill growth like complacency can. We're going to be hanging out in Proverbs chapter 1 a little bit today. Proverbs chapter 1 verse, 30, uh, verse 32 says, For the waywardness of people will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency robs us of where God wants us to be. Here's an interesting uh, uh, statement, an anonymous quote. Don't know who said it. This is what it says. It says, complacency is a blight that saps energy, dulls attitudes, and causes a drain on the brain. The first symptom is satisfaction with the way things are. Did you hear that? This is the first symptom of complacency, is satisfaction with the way things are. The second is rejection of things as they might be. 
Good enough becomes today's watchword and tomorrow's standard. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and arbor the new. Like water, complacency, complacent people follow the easiest course, which is downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. Here's what I say complacency is. Complacency is being untroubled with where you are while being unaware of the dangers of your inaction. Think about it. Complacency is when we are untroubled, no longer bothered with where we are, but it also breeds an unawareness to the dangers that are on the horizon because of our inaction. In, um, in, in Genesis, I believe around ch- between chapters, I want to say between chapters 9 and 12, there's a series of stories there uh, about Abraham and his nephew Lot. What happened was Abraham and Lot, they were so blessed by God that they had so many resources. And back then, you know, your, your kind of like wealth and resources was measured by, you know, the how, how many cattle and sheep and goats you had in your herds and, and how many people were in your family. Well, well they were so richly blessed that they, they, they actually were depleting the land where they were because of all of their, their, their livestock. And so Abraham, he said, hey, listen, uh, we're so blessed. We need to part ways. So Lot, you need, to, you need to go to an area, and then if you choose right, I'll go left. If you choose left, I'll go right. Uh, but we need, to, we need to split up so that we can continue to be prosper, prosperous. And so, so Lot considers his, cho- his choices, uh, considers his surroundings, and Lot chooses to go east. And uh, when he goes east towards the plains where there's s- several cities, including Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, and so Lot chooses to go settle, and, it's, and then the scripture says, and then Lot pitched his tent near Sodom. The next verse says, Sodom was full of such incredible wickedness that it greatly angered God. And then a short time later, there were four kings in the area. Those four kings attacked Sodom in order to raid them of their possessions. And so these four kings run off. They run out of Sodom, taking its possessions. And scripture says, and it took Lot and, and Lot's possessions for, the Bible says, Lot was living in Sodom. But we just read that he first pitched his tent near Sodom. And now when the city was attacked, he, he gets taken off with, the, with these four kings because he was living in the city. We call this Lot's progression. This is what complacency does. We get comfortable, and so we pitch our tents near sin. And then we get complacent, we get comfortable, and all of a sudden we have slid and we're living in the city limits of sin. So through a series of, of events, uh, Abraham is able to rescue Lot and, uh, fr- from these four kings that ran off with him. And, but then, then God chooses that he is going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He's actually going to wipe this city out. I mean, how evil does it have to be for God to say, I'm going to do something like that? And so Abraham, he's like, oh, 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 God, please. Um, 
if there's just a hundred righteous, would you spare the whole city? And God's like, yeah, sure. And so, so Abraham goes through this, like, this prayer of, like, of, of bargaining with God. Oh, 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 but how about, uh, can I just ask you one more question, God? What if there's only 50 righteous, would you save the whole city? And God said, surely I would. Long story short, God doesn't save the city. <laughs> so two angels of the Lord go into the city and, and to prepare to destroy the city and its wickedness. And it says, when the angels went into the city, there was Lot at the city gate. He can, in his complacency, Lot has already been rescued from this place, but it has continued to slip into now the city gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. When it came time for the destruction of the city, the, 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 these angels of the Lord, they said, run, you gotta go. God's wrath is coming. And Lot, the scripture says, hesitated. He hesitated to the point that the angels of the Lord grabbed him by the arms and ran off with him. And he told him, whatever you do, you run, you keep running. You run through the plains, you run to the mountains, you don't stop running, and you certainly don't look back. And of course, if you know the story, Lot's wife, who must have also been very hesitant, she looked back and became as a pillar of salt. Uh, in, in, the, in the sanctuary of the church where I grew up, there was a clock on the back of the wall. And uh, so I've obviously, in this Assemblies of God church, throughout the service times in the late 1990s, which could be two, three hour long services, uh, many people would turn and look back at the clock to see what time it was. Until the pastor threatened to put a sign underneath that clock in the back wall that would say, remember Lot's wife. mercy me complacency kills and Lot continued to become more and more untroubled with his position and proximity to a city of wickedness to where he eventually was a part of it and even after being rescued from it would be found in it again So complacency in our lives is when we become so comfortable with where we are that we even become unaware to the danger of our own inaction. And we begin to creep closer and closer into a city of sin. Proverbs, then the next verse in Proverbs 1, 30 and 31, it says, since they would not accept my advice, and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. In other words, uh, sometimes God doesn't rescue you from your own stupidity, does he? He will let you make your choices, and like a good father, he will let you suffer the consequences of your own choices. But it wasn't without his voice of wisdom and advice. And so those that do not listen, those that do not, uh, are not aware of those that give solid wisdom and advice will eat the fruit of their ways. So the second thing I want you to know is that it's important to listen and live. Husbands. Husbands. Listen and live. Hey, 
Not too loud there, Pam. <laughs> so if, to, if you really want to have the worst year ever, like, like if, if that's your goal, that's fine. But just don't listen to those around you. Don't listen to those that are in a place of authority in your life to give you wisdom and advice. Call them crazy. Continue to only listen to yourself. And you can, you can have the worst year. But listen, young people, it's, 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 it's imperative. If you want to have the worst year ever, then don't listen to your parents. And if you go home today and say, Pastor Devin told me not to listen to you, um, remember the context. I said, if you want to have the worst year ever, don't listen to your parents, don't listen to your grandparents, your teachers, your coaches. Married people, if you want to have the best year ever, start listening to your spouse. Hear their heart. Understand them. And, and ultimately, like Proverbs says, listen to the word of God. Listen, God is a speaking God. There's no greater way than God speaks and through his holy scriptures. Listen to God. This requires hearing. So if you want to listen and live, then you must be actively engaging in reading the word of God and aligning your life to it. Because Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I really sense that more and more in our day and age, One's own way always seems right to them. And so we have, we have so many, we have so much fighting and, and, and division in our world today because everybody just is looking at their own way and saying, this is the right way and it's my way. But the, the, the fool, it's the way of the fool that it seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. So listen and live. The third thing I would tell you is never stop growing. Never stop growing. I, I think this is one of, the, one of the strongest words of wisdom that I was given as a young man, was to never stop learning. Always be a learner. My dad used to tell me, readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. In other words, continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to challenge yourself. There is, there is no way that any of us have ever arrived. You know, I, I think Don Budd is, 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 is one of the strongest biblical teachers that I've met in a really long time, Don. But, but Don Budd would sit there in, in all humility and let you know that he feels like he's just scratching the surface. He's continuing to, to, to discover more and more in God's word. And... Uh, and it is, it is so, so encouraging. So it's important to never stop growing, never feel like you've ever arrived, that there's always more. And here's what I know, church, that God has some kind of next step for you this year. That, 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 that God has something that, that, that is a new challenge for you. He wants you to go deeper in some area of your life he doesn't want you to settle with where you are at. He doesn't want you to be stuck. That there is more. But if you resist change, 
You cannot grow. You cannot grow if you resist it. So I would say let's become aware of the areas of our lives where maybe we have begun to grow complacent. And let's not miss the next step in the journey that God has for us, that God has for our families, that God has for your career, that God has for our marriages, the next step that God has for our church, that God has for our children. Never stop growing. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this in uh, chapter 5, verse 11. He says, how much, um, I'm sorry, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone teaching you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. Uh, many of you know that after I had COVID in 2020, that I had a series of four months where my taste was ruined by COVID for four months. Things that used to taste good tasted like burnt tires. This, and it really, this was really limited to anything of, of, of protein. So like all meat, any kind of meat. I tried all kinds of meat. It all tasted just like burnt tires. Anytime Jenny would cook a delicious meal, it all smelled the same to me. It all smelled like burnt tires. And for four months, I, I ate vegetarian for four months, not because I wanted to. It's miserable. But because I just couldn't bear the taste of anything else. And um, so, I, I mean, when I think about the, the scripture, you need milk, not solid food, let me tell you, there is, there's, there's just a richness to being able to eat New York Strip, man. <laughs> a burger. I mean, pork chops, tenderloins. Are you hungry yet? I'm hungry. <laughs> and after four months of, of eating vegetarian, because I had to, because I couldn't take the taste of anything else, I, I got to tell you, it, 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 it's just a weak way to live to me. Uh, to me, I mean. My mother's been a vegetarian since she was 12 years old. I don't know how she does it. But, but just to, there's just substance. There's more substance to your spiritual walk for God than you likely have right now. Like you could have far greater substance. And, and it comes to a life of discipleship. And it's not always easy. But man, is it good. It's not always waiting. It's not always easy waiting for my wife's spare ribs that she puts in the crock pot. The night before, she sears them in a pan and then she puts them in the crock pot. I have to smell that thing all day long. It's, it's not easy. Oh, but it is good. <laughs> it's getting to be lunchtime. I can feel it. <laughs> Never stop growing. Again, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 6, verse 1, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to what? To maturity. So never stop growing. But, but if you want to have the worst year ever, don't change a thing. Don't change a thing. Keep complaining. 
Keep, keep being stressed out. Remain selfish. Live in fear. Try to do it alone. You'll have, you can have the worst year ever that way. But if you don't want to have the worst year ever, then work to change your life. Because God has a next step for you. So if you want to have the best year ever, welcome change. I've always had a propensity for change. I love change. I don't like anything being the same. I look at walls and I kick them and say, why are you there? Like, like, like let's, always, let's always change. I spent 10 years managing Walmart stores around the Midwest and uh, did a lot of different things with the company. And, and, and part of the, one of the things that they make you do uh, when you get to a level of management with Walmart, they make you read Sam Walton's biography. And, uh, and when Sam Walton first started out with his stores, people laughed at him because Kmart owned the, the market. But what separated Walmart and, and Sam's mentality was that they always kept evolving and changing, where Kmart stayed the same. And eventually, the complacency has, has turned Kmart's all over into Royal Kings. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Except here in Kokomo, I guess. It's still empty. So if you, don't want, if you want to have the worst year ever, don't change a thing. But change is a good thing. Embrace change. Grow in understanding. Grow in your faith. Grow in love. Grow in maturity. And so here's the prayer that I want us to have this, uh, this morning as we finish up. And the worship team, you guys can come up and help me out. Is that, is to ask this question, God, God, what is the next step that you are calling me to take? We heard a powerful testimony this morning about how Teen Challenge was started when Dave Wilkerson felt a call to take an incredible step that, that required him to sell everything he owned in order to start this ministry that has led to life transformation for years and years to come in Jesus' name. But what is the next step God is calling you to take even if it's a step of faith? We all have some kind of next step that that God is calling us to. But we have to listen and we have to be able to be aware of any areas of complacency in our life. And I'm so thankful that New Life Church is committed to the mission of God because it requires us to resist complacency. Complacency is one of the primary reasons that causes decline in local churches is when people just get so used to the way it's been for years and years. We become complacent and all of a sudden people we, we stop inviting people to church. We start engaging in the mission of God. People might even begin to stop serving, stop giving, and, or they don't sit on the front row anymore. Now they're on the back row, and then they're out the door. We get complacent. I think a lot of churches are still experiencing that 2020 gave people an opportunity when churches closed to become complacent about their faith, and some haven't returned to their churches I'm so thankful, New Life, that here, here you guys are. And that when our doors are open, you're here. And so let us never become complacent with what God is doing in our church and what God is doing in your lives. 
I implore you, don't get complacent. Don't become complacent in your families, in your marriages. Don't get complacent in your workplaces. Come on, God has a calling on our lives. Some of you are, are so incredibly talented and so skilled at the trade that you work at. Man, that's God's, that's God's hand on your life. Don't get complacent with that. Finish strong. Be faithful to work. Be faithful to your family. Listen, parents, don't get complacent with parenting. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but don't get complacent. These, these kids that God has entrusted us with, they're our treasure. And a wise man told me, don't kill your kids because better ones are coming. All the grandparents say, amen. <laughs> don't let complacency grow in your life. Welcome change. Welcome it. Asking God, what is next for me in my life? Give me the faith and the tenacity to go after it. So as we all stand this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you evaluate the areas of your life that have plateaued. Maybe in a relationship, something God has called you to that you've become complacent at. And maybe this morning we can just, we can just repent of complacency in our lives. Maybe somebody's here today and they say, Lord, I remember a day when I started my day off every day in your word. I've slipped from that. Lord, I, Lord, I remember when I was, I, was, I was faithful in the tithe and I've slipped from that. God, I remember when I was, I was faithful in, in, in seeking out conversations with people to give them hope and to give them Jesus. I, Lord, I don't remember the last time I've invited someone to church. I don't remember the last time I've been involved in a team or a group. But, God, but Lord, will you just help us evaluate right now what areas have we become complacent in? Maybe someone is on, a, on a, an individual performance plan at work because you've gotten complacent at your job and they need more from you. Listen, our work can be an act of worship unto God. We don't serve man, we serve God. Don't grow complacent in your work. Don't grow complacent in your families. So Lord, we just repent. As you reveal to us the areas by which maybe we've become complacent, we don't want complacency, we want growth. We want change. We want what's best. We want to live our best life yet. God, we want to have the best year ever. We want to see New Life Church grow this year. We want to see our relationships grow stronger this year. We want to see our kids grow in stature and favor with God this year. In Jesus' name. So God, help us not to become complacent, but continue to grow. I just want to give an opportunity for someone that might be here today that you would say, you know, I'm ready to start taking my next step with God. And maybe for you, that next step is taking the first step. And that is that you have not been living the way God's called you to. You've drifted. You've taken Lot's progression. You've, you've slid into a city by which is full of wickedness. And, and, and But... But God, he's the rescuer. And maybe today you need to take that first step of saying, I want to commit my life 
to the Lord for the first time, or maybe the first time in a really long time. But if, if we all just, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I want to take a step with God, I want to take the first step in making a decision to following Jesus, and I, I need help with the next steps after that, but I know getting my life right with God is the first step. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for today? You're going to welcome change. Thank you for the hand. And once you put your hand up, I, thank you, thank you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Thank you. So if you put your hand up this morning, I want you to just pray a prayer like this. You don't have to say my words, but you can use words like mine, just in the quietness of your heart. Lord, I just ask that you'd forgive me. I've slipped, I've progressed far from you. Your word says, come near to me and you'll come near. If I come near to you, you'll come near to me. So I'm taking a step today, coming near to you. Forgive me the times I've slipped, slipped up, times I've stumbled. I don't know what all my next steps are, but God, I just know that today I need to get right with you. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I confess that you're Lord. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to serve you all my days. In Jesus' name. Neil F. Church, can we put our hands together for those that said that prayer this morning? That we, we're proud of you for taking that step, getting your life right with God today. And, and if you made that decision today, I would love to know that you made that decision today. Simply take that Connect card and uh, where it says my decision today was, fill that out and drop it in the boxes in the back of the worship center when you leave today. Listen, Jenny and I, we love you guys. We're excited for you as you get started in your life groups this week. The worship team is going to sing one last song as we leave. If you, if you want to linger, if you need to spend time in prayer, we welcome you to do that. But I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you guys next time.